The Athletic Podcast Network is supported by the Quip Electric Toothbrush, the Tesla of toothbrushes. Most people's oral care habits could be better. We often brush for less than two minutes and use old, worn-out bristles. Quip makes having a fresh, healthy mouth easy and convenient. Their electric toothbrush pulses every 30 seconds so you clean your mouth evenly, and they deliver brush head refills every three months. Like dentists recommend, get your first refill free at getquip.com slash listen. That's getquip.com slash listen. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You can follow me at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206, and that's C-Kidd206. All right, we're back with another off-season uh, episode, keeping it going with having the guests on. We're on a good string of Great guests, uh, Chris. Love the guests we have on uh, right now. We have the homie from The Athletic. Uh, went national on us after covering the Seahawks in, in, in Philly. Does one, does some great work for the site. Shil Kapadia. Shil, what up, man? What's up, guys? How you doing? Uh, we are we are good. Enjoying the uh, the off offseason. Uh, let's, let's jump right into this, Shil, because I love having your opinion on Seahawks because obviously you covered the team, and then you got a chance to cover it like, nationally, so you got great perspective uh, on just everything that is the league and how it relates to the Seahawks. So uh, there's a lot of discussion over how the Seahawks performed this year. Do they, they overachieve? Do they underachieve? Uh, it basically depends on what you feel about the roster. But uh, wh- where do you stand on the Seahawks 2019 season, overachieve or underachieve? This is such a tough question because if, you know, I'm trying to like decide what to base it on, you know. So if I'm basing it on what I thought they were going to be going into the season, I would say they overachieved. I did not have them at 11 and 5 making it to the second round of the playoffs. I thought, you know, they would be a 9 or 10 win team, uh, maybe sneak in as a wild card. So I think, I guess, you know, talking it out, it was probably pretty close to what I was anticipating. But uh, I would say they overachieved. Uh, in comparison to my expectations going into the year. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. It's tough because if you kind of midway point, like after they beat the Niners, you're like, well, wait, <laughs> this team can go far. They had the one seed for at least a week, uh, you know, so it's, it kind of changes. I'm with you. Expectations, I think, are allowed to change uh, midseason, especially, you know, with injuries and and, and whatnot. Um, but – We'll move to, to free agency. Shil, you, you dropped a piece that I loved. I'm going to reference it all through March. Um, it's the top 100 uh, free agents, or soon-to-be free agents, when the market uh, opens up on March 18th. Um, unrestricted free agents, that is. Uh, it's it's really thorough, really extensive. It's got a lot of great names on there. Uh, but, of course, Seahawks fans right now are focused on the three the three names on there who are currently still on the Seattle roster, that's Jadavian Clowney, that's right tackle Jermaine Effetti, that's defensive tackle Jaron Reed. Uh, obviously, Quentin Jefferson made the list as well, which was a surprise, but I like him uh, on there. Uh, Clowney's obviously the biggest name, biggest, biggest name on the Seahawks, probably one of the best defensive free agents available. Shil, what do you think his market 
is going to look like. And uh, put your prediction hat on here. Where do you think he lands uh, this offseason? Yeah, I think he's going to have a big market, uh, obviously. You know, I think the numbers haven't always been there, but if you're looking at it and you're looking at that game against the 49ers that they played in primetime where he just completely took over, you know, there's maybe a handful of guys in the NFL who had a game like that last season. So uh, I think there are going to be a lot of suitors. But, you know, having said that, I think if you're the Seahawks, when you made that trade last season, you were looking at it as – you know, we're going to allocate some resource, big time resources to this guy. If we're going to trade for him, we're going to carve out the cap space and really make him an attractive offer. So, you know, just looking at what some of the guys got on the market uh, last offseason, whether it was Frank Clark or uh, Trey Flowers in Detroit, you know, you're looking in that 18 to 20 million dollar range, I think, probably for uh, Jadeveon Clowney and you know, I guess if I had to guess right now, I would think that the Seahawks are going to make a really uh, aggressive offer, and I, I think he's going to end up going back to Seattle. I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not in a spot where I'm guaranteeing it, or I feel like you know, 90% about it, or anything like that. But um, if you're just sort of asking me, you know, the likelihood, I feel like they made that trade thinking they wanted him there in the long term. I think he performed well enough, battled through some injuries, can get better as he gets more acclimated to the scheme, and I think he'll get a big time deal from them. Speaking of markets, let's look at the offensive side of the football and look at Jermaine Effetti, right tackle. On your list, he was number 47, and I thought he improved through each season as time went on. Of course, the Seahawks declined to pick up his fifth-year option. He had 12 penalties last season, and they definitely have been an issue regarding him. But what do you see the market for Effetti? Will he be in Seattle, or is he going to find a new home? Yeah, the the right tackle market is very interesting. You know, they weren't getting a lot of huge deals, but last offseason, you know, Trent Brown, who could be a left or a right tackle. So, like, if you're a player and you can make the argument, hey, I can play either side, then you usually get paid like a left tackle. I don't think that's the case with the Fetty. You know, I think teams will look at him as strictly a right tackle. So one of the comparisons that came to mind was this guy, Jawan James, who signed with the Broncos last year. And he was a player who hadn't been performing at a really high level, but it was a situation where it only takes one team. And if you're somebody like Effetti, who's young, who's been pretty durable, um, you know, I think he's probably been a little inconsistent, but certainly if you're a team that wants to run the ball a lot, I think he can help you there. You know, he's definitely a starting caliber player. You know, you could be looking at a contract around like $12 million. That, that's what Juwan James got last year. So uh, I think the writing's probably on the wall with him. You know, if the Seahawks did not um, pick up his fifth-year option and considering what it would probably take to re-sign him, uh, my guess would be that if Eddie moves on and, and is playing elsewhere next season. Wow, that means a new right tackle for the Seahawks. Interesting. I mean, a lot of Seahawks fans would welcome that idea. I don't understand. I mean, I do. I do. Penalties are bad. They are, but at the same time, you're going to put someone in that position who hasn't played that position, period, in a long time. You're looking at George Fant, but we're not going to even get into all that. Next one, we're going to go to defense again. Jay Reed, he missed six games with suspension, and we had Cliff Averon last year during the offseason, right before the season started, and he was saying it's going to be very tough for Jay Reed, and he just really not he never really got it going. I mean, you look at his 2018 season with 10 and a half sacks, 24 QB hits. He didn't have that same production. What's the market for defensive tackles and the possibility of him actually wearing the Seahawks uniform again for the 2020 campaign? 
Yeah, this is a really difficult one because, you know, so much of this is like when a guy hits free agency. You know, someone like Michael Bennett, like he never hit free agency at the right time where he could have just gotten that, you know, monster uh, monster sort of offer and that, that monster contract. And other guys, you know, there will be guys like the guy who just signed with the uh, Cardinals, DJ Humphreys. He's a left tackle. He hasn't played great. He had been injured his first three years but guess what last year he played all 16 games and improved and he's a free agent and now he got a nice deal so you know if jaron reed would have gone to free agency last offseason we'd probably be talking about him as one of the top uh you know 10 guys maybe on the market but given what's happened then i think it's going to hurt him And, and so you look at it he had the monster season in 2018 but if you look at the other, you know, his other 40 games, he only has five sacks. Uh, so uh, I think if you're looking at it, you say, wait a minute, was 2018 just kind of an outlier year where, you know, maybe some of the randomness went in his direction or maybe he did play well, but he hasn't necessarily been at that level his other uh, his other seasons here. And then, of course, you mentioned the suspension he had. Teams have to factor that in, too, when they're giving a guy that much guaranteed money so uh, I actually think that you know he's I, I, I think if I had to guess I would say he's going to sign elsewhere you know I think he probably um, will kind of be looking at what's the best offer I can get on the open market it's his first time to test free agency and uh, I wouldn't begrudge him for doing that certainly you've got to do that sometimes but if I'm the Seahawks I kind of look at it and say you know if we want to bring Clowney back if we want to be aggressive there do we really want to commit big time money I don't know what it would take to you know get read it's really tough maybe he'll end up being someone who has to sign a kind of a one-year contract one of those prove it deals and then hope that he performs like he did in 2018 and then cash in again next offseason when he's still young or maybe a team will look at it and say this guy has upside we've seen it we can get him uh back to that level so i mean it could be uh, I don't know, anywhere from $10, $12 million to uh, $16, $17, 18000000 million. He's just really a tough one, I think, to sort of pay. And Jay Reed has been the only guy who's uh, kind of gave us insight into what he thinks his market is. Uh, he has me blocked on Twitter, but someone sent me the screenshot. Yeah, Chris, you didn't know that? <laughs> he has me blocked. He has, I don't know why he has me blocked. Uh, Let it, me watch my tweets. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I Anyway, he has me blocked, but someone sent the screenshot of our Sam Gold at The Athletic uh, tweeting, suggesting that maybe Jay Reed make 8 to $10 million a year. Uh, and Jay Reed responded to it. He's not tagged in it. He's responded to it and said that's disrespectfully low. So, <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm with you, Sheila. It could be in 10 to 12, but if Jay Reed <laughs> has any say, you're looking at like he, he makes like 16 or 17, probably on a bad team. Uh, but, I mean, guys at that age, you're probably only hitting free agency and getting that monster deal once. Um, so that's that's probably what he's going for. Thanks for the insight, Jay Reed. Now unblock me. That's uh, that's, that's 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 what I request. I should also note, uh, Chris, that Shield made a lot of Seahawks fans very happy predicting that Clowney takes something like twenty million per year to stay here. That's that's making a lot of fans very happy because it's not a bad deal. No, that's uh, that'd be great for the Seahawks. There's, I think it was Bill Barnwell projected that he could get like. Uh, five years, 125 from a dumb team like the Giants or something. <laughs> For real, man, it only takes one stupid team to just give you like a, a C.J. Mosley, Le'Ve- Le'Veon Bell type of deal. Or remember Dominican Sue got all that money? Good God. Uh, yeah, no, no, but but I, yeah, I was definitely saying 20 million per year. So I don't know what the length uh, would be, but yeah, I guess Bill Bar- Bill Barnwell probably had a little bit higher than me. You know, it's not crazy because teams do have a lot of money to spend, and if he goes out there on the open market and one of these teams that just like leads the NFL and cap room says, "Hey, that's the guy we want." 
um, you know, again, it only takes one team. So um, it, it's not a crazy prediction. But, you know, looking at it, I, I think last year Frank Clark got about $20 million, uh, a year. I know they're not exactly the same player, but, you know, that that would not surprise me if, if that was enough to kind of get a deal done if the guarantees were right and all that. No, yeah, I'm with you. I, if there's some team like the Giants who yeah, you you got a new coach, maybe you're a front a front off, front office who wants to make a splash. Teams love making a splash. I swear that's like their that's the buzzword in March. A splashy free yeah. agent move. Teams yeah, teams will do it. Teams will throw money at, at whoever to to feel like they're making that splash, reignite their fan base um or whatever. Um she I piggybacked off your uh, piece and wrote my own that dropped Tuesday morning uh with the, you know, of the top 100 free agents, who are maybe 10 that the Seahawks uh, should target? Uh, you guys should go check that out on The Athletic. Shameless plug. Uh, but I want to ask you specifically about two guys uh, on there, one on offense, one on defense, and where you think that maybe they could be a Seahawky fit uh, for, for the right price, perhaps, in a scenario where they don't have you know, any of the big three of their own free agents returning. So I want to start. I'm going to give you both names, actually. Right tackle, Brian Balaga. Who was number thirty on your list? And outside linebacker or edge, uh, Matt Judon from from the Ravens checked in at number thirteen on your list. Those are two guys I'd like to see in Seahawks uniforms. What do you think on whether that could be a, a possibility? Yeah, I think those are both uh, interesting names. Uh, Bulaga, I, I think, was a, a real smart one there uh, by you, especially if Fetty is going to move on and get a long-term contract somewhere, then you have a hole at right tackle. And I don't think you necessarily need to sign a guy to like a long-term deal there. You know, I think if you can get Bulaga on, um, I don't know, maybe a two- or three-year deal, something like that that you have some flexibility with, then you can plug him in start him next year you're going to get an upgrade he's better i think than a fetty probably in pass protection uh so you get an upgrade there in terms of pass pro and then you can certainly address right tackle in the draft where you kind of groom a guy to take over uh for bulaga so i think that one makes sense where it's sort of a win now um you know this guy's not in his prime anymore but he's a veteran uh he's been in big games and he certainly uh, fills a need for you there. Uh, Matt Judon is an interesting one. Uh, you know, he, the, the Ravens scheme is not exactly the same as the Seahawks scheme. So there he was really viewed as like a outside linebacker and they did a lot of different things with their fronts, whether it was a three, four and, you know, there's just film of him just like destroying tight ends on his way to the quarterback. But certainly, uh, you know, I think he can play defensive end. It would just be a little bit probably more of a projection. And he's someone who's had really good production. I think he's going to be pretty costly. So I think if you're looking at it that you're going to bring Clowney back, I think you're probably not going to be able to get a guy like Matt Judon on the contract that he's going to command. Now, if you don't get Clowney and you say, all right, we got to move on to plan B, then I think he could uh, maybe he could come into the mix there. I do want to stay with the defensive line, DNs especially, and look at Yannick Ngakwe, who's number seven on your list, and Mike had him as a potential player that he would like to see in Seattle if indeed Clowney isn't signed. I mean, looking at how much money he would require, he would ask for, it's not as much as Clowney, but it's a hefty... Yeah, it's going to be a lot. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of money. And the question is, if the Seahawks do go to plan B, let's say Clowney, they just don't, make, they don't get it done, is Yannick someone they can go out and foresee and get because Mike did put that they'll have the draft capital and cash to bring him in and help that pass rush. What do you think about that? Yeah, he's he's one of my favorite players in this 
free agency class. I mean, he's young. I think he's going to be 25 at the start of next season. So you're getting a guy who, who should just be approaching his prime. He's been crazy productive. If you look at all the stats, sacks, quarterback hits, all those different types of things, he's been durable. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he got, if he did get more money than Jadeveon Clowney. I, I think he's going to get a monster deal. I don't think he's going to settle for anything less. Uh, Jacksonville can use the franchise tag on him but yeah he would be like a prototypical fit i mean he's a 4-3 defensive end who's just a, an impact player um and an impact pass rusher so uh yeah if you're looking to spend a lot of money and you say you know what Clowney's been good but um you know his numbers haven't been great maybe as a pure pass rusher he's not as good as in Gakwe, he's maybe had some more uh, injury issues, that type of thing. Then certainly, and, and Gakwe basically is one of those guys who, like any team with cap space, should at least be thinking about him. You know, it, given his age, durability, production, the position he, he plays. So there, if he were to hit the market, I think there would just be a monster, uh, a monster market for him. A lot of teams interested. My last defensive guy, I'm going to go with Vic Beasley. We have where's Waldo? Well, where has Vic Beasley been? He has been MIA, and he was supposed to be this stud. Atlanta's probably like, yeah, we're, we're willing to cut ties with you. Is he someone that the Seahawks should just take a risk on? He's not going to be asking for too much money. I mean, his last few seasons haven't been up to par. What do you say to that? Yeah, he actually, the second half of last season, he finally started to come on. But you're right, he had, he had a season a couple a few years ago where I think he had 15 and a half sacks, and he has not been nearly the same player uh, since then. He's sort of um, like a one-dimensional defensive end, and so I don't know if that would sit well with Pete Carroll, knowing his defensive philosophy. I mean, this is someone who you would just want to pin his ears back, get after the quarterback. He's not going to give you a lot uh, against the run, and even his production has been a little bit inconsistent. So I think you'd have to look at that at the right role, where you know if that's sort of a second-tier guy, where you're saying, all right, he's not going to cost us as much as those top-tier guys, but at least he could maybe be a rotational pass rusher for us, help us on third down, take a look at him. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, last year we saw them go after like uh, Ziggy Anson. We know that didn't work out well, but I don't think that was like the wrong thought that they had. You know, I think there's some veteran defensive ends who you can get. There's a guy, Robert Quinn from the Cowboys. Uh, you know, he's a prototypical 4-3 defensive end who had over, he had 11 and a half sacks last year. He's someone I could see fitting who's not going to break the bank. Even Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, he gets kind of forgotten once he went to Tampa. The guy had 12 and a half sacks two years ago. He didn't play at the start of this past season. I think he had like nine sacks in 10 games or something like that. He was really productive, and uh, he's a really good player against both the pass and the run. So uh, I think if they don't get one of the premier pass rushers we know pass rushes where they need so much help um or even if they do you know it wouldn't surprise me to see them go after a second tier guy one of those veterans i just mentioned maybe even above somebody like Vic beasley yeah if you guys are wondering why we're going so heavy on defense yeah it's because the seahawks pass rush <laughs> was was very very bad i mean they'll, they'll they'll do whatever to try to get it get it right you mentioned ziggy trading for Clowney. shoot two years ago they wouldn't sign like 50 year old dwight freeney <laughs> i remember that yeah 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 in 2017 <laughs> they did he had like three sacks in like four games something then they cut him so they keep david moore uh, it was a weird weird league uh i'm gonna I'm plug another shield story chris uh he wrote 20 
bold uh, and not so bold predictions uh, for 2020. Uh, please, you guys should go check that out. It's great. You should just read everything she writes because I, I do. So you should, too. Uh, uh, and I thought I thought it was really well done. Uh, it didn't have a Seahawk Bowl prediction. Come on, uh, Shill. In there. Not, well, there's, there's so many other <laughs> no, it teams. Didn't, it didn't have Seahawks or Eagles, like the teams I covered. You know, sometimes I have these uh, brain freezes where it's like, what are you doing? You know, I got to remember my roots a little bit. So that's a bad job out of me. No, you're good. No, man. I thought it was thought it was great. Great quarterback movement. There were some trades in there. No, I thought it was great. I think Odell gets traded uh, in that in that in that piece. It was uh, it was fantastic. But I'll put you on the spot here, Shill. Since it didn't have a Seahawk bold prediction in there, if you had to make one, uh, trade, whatever, signing, what would your bold prediction be for the Seahawks 2020? Well, in that piece, you know, I had, uh, and again, they were bold predictions, so they weren't necessarily the things I think were most likely to happen. So uh, I had Tom Brady going to the Raiders. And I thought that the Raiders had to probably make a move at wide receiver to tell, you know, Brady, hey, we've got a great supporting cast. This is why you should come. And so I had Stefan Diggs being traded to the Raiders. But if I'm taking a step back and doing a Seahawks bold prediction, how about Stefan Diggs being traded to the Seahawks? You know, they are, not, they are not afraid to be aggressive, make a splash. This is a guy who is in his mid-20s who has been really productive, who can play on the outside. I mean, you would be setting up a core with Russell Wilson, Stefan Diggs, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. Uh, you know, and and hopefully you would not be running the ball 35 times a game <laughs> with, with, that, uh, with that receiving core. But uh, that is a move to me. You know, I don't think it's crazy, to be quite honest. I, I would not be surprised at all if Stefan Diggs gets traded this offseason when, you, you know, our Vikings reporters on The Athletic do a great job at just kind of reading their reports since last season ended. I mean, they certainly think it's a possibility. He's under contract, so it's not someone like Clowney uh, last year where you make a trade for him and then you have to worry about re-signing him. I mean, he just signed a deal, which it's not crazy money. You know, it's pretty fair or maybe even a little bit uh, under market value. So you're getting a good contract. He's not old. You could grow with him. Uh, so I, I'll say that one, kind of just go all in with that receiving core and uh, Russell Wilson. Oh, man. We love that. Well, I love it. I just got chills. <laughs> oh, man. You, you know, hear that receiving core? That's not that's that's not fair. They got to pass the ball though. <laughs> Follow up to that real quick. What do you think it would take to get it done? What would, what would the Vikings need? I think it's going to be a minimum of a first round pick, and you might need to throw something else in, whether it's uh, a veteran, maybe it's a you know teams like to do these sort of pick swaps in later rounds. So maybe you know you're giving up a first and a fourth, but you get back a sixth. Something like that. Uh, I think it would start with a first round pick would be kind of the start of the negotiation. And then you might have to give up um, a mid round pick or something else as well. Real quickly, before you get out of here, we had Ben Baldwin on mid January, right when the season pretty much ended and his piece came out. Is Pete Carroll the right coach for this version of the Seahawks? That was the topic of our podcast. Mike and I agreed. Well, Pete is definitely the guy you want to keep. I mean, who are you going to bring in? I mean, Pete mm-hmm. has done a lot with this team. Granted, he can make some changes here and there. What are your thoughts on if Pete is the right coach for Russell Wilson and how he runs the offense and this team? Yeah, I thought you and Ben both did a a great job with the pieces you wrote on The Athletic, and it it really is a, uh, a fascinating debate. And I understand Ben's 
frustrations, which is that, you know, you're not just, uh, you know, it's not hashtag let Russ cook. It's running the ball in the first half. And then, you know, midway through the third quarter, all of a sudden, Russell Wilson's just chucking it all over the field, <laughs> scrambling. And it's like, wait a minute, why did we, you know? And it, it has been sort of a Groundhog's Day thing. You know, it feels like every time they lose, it's been uh, that sort of situation. Uh, I would lean towards your angle, though, Mike. And I, I think you said it best, which was, He's so good at the hard parts of the job, and I think that's so true. I think when you look at it, building a culture, relationships with players, you know, having sort of a foundation of what you stand for, um, you know, building just kind of a positive environment in that building, being someone who who players want to play for, uh, all those things are really, really, really important. And you look at some of the offensive coaches who are really smart around the league, you know, like let's say they brought in someone like Greg Roman from the Ravens. I mean, he could be a good schemer but like those guys when they get in the head coaching role there's so much more on your plate i mean you're doing media if a player gets in trouble you got to deal with that you've got to work well with the front office in terms of personnel decisions and all those different types of things so um you know i i think it would be wise to stick with pete carroll i mean it's so hard because you want to say it i think what's frustrating is that the parts uh carroll's weaknesses are so easy to identify and you could just mm-hmm, say mm-hmm. like if someone could just sit him down and say pete we're gonna hand off game management to this uh you know this 28 year old uh, guy who played a lot of madden knows when to call timeouts <laughs> knows how to, you know knows when to spike the ball all those different types of things you don't have to worry about that he's gonna stand right next to you or he's gonna be in your headset uh like I, you know, I'm joking, but that type of thing would really fix a lot, you know, a lot of their issues when you look at how they lost games last year. And then also, you know, you say, Pete, I know you have a foundation of defense and run game and turnovers and all that, but we got to be honest with the assessment of our roster. We don't have the defensive talent. We're not going to be a top five defensive team. We need to adjust. Our quarterback's in his prime. We've got great wide receivers. Just try it this way. One year. <laughs> Just try it this way. See, see those plays the Chiefs are running? You know, let's steal some of those. Let's talk to some college coaches. Let's build this thing around the quarterback. See if we can build a high-powered offense because, you know, everyone you talk to in, like, the analytics community, the stuff that transfers year after year is, like, the quarterback play the passing efficiency, those are the things that determine how good a team is. I mean, you'll see teams that are really good on defense one year, and then the next year they take a big step back. Like, that's much more common. So they've got the guy, they've got the weapons. It's just that they need to make some of those changes. I don't know if it's going to happen. It, it might not, knowing uh, knowing sort of Pete Carroll and his philosophy. But that, to me, is a much easier path than bringing uh, an entirely new coach in and sort of starting from scratch with it, with all those different things. Boom. There you go. She'll just settle the debate. Make sure we send this clip to Ben <laughs> and then just get that going. No, yeah, Pete definitely looked at the 2018 Bears and probably the 20-whatever Jacksonville Jaguars that went to the AFC title game and was like, see, run the ball, great defense. And it's like, Pete, there's a reason those teams didn't do that the very next year because they yeah. had bad quarterbacks, and that's better. That's more predictive of team success year over year. Uh Maybe I'll send that clip to Pete and <laughs> see if it uh, gets gets to his head. Shield, we thank you so much for taking the time out uh, to join us. Make sure if you guys are listening right now, you please, please go check out Shield stuff on The Athletic. Great stuff, free agency stuff, just everything, man. He's, he's one, of, one of our best, man. Shield, we, we thank you so much for joining us, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. 
Thanks again to the homie Shil Kapadia for jumping on the podcast in the last segment. Love it. I love having Shil on. So insightful. Just so knowledgeable of the league and, and how the Seahawks work, too. That's important. You know, now he doesn't just have a handle on the whole league. He knows Pete. He knows John. He knows Matt Thomas, the guy calling the shots up there in Seattle. So uh, very, very helpful. Uh, Chris, we were going to go right into the wonderful batch of listener questions that we had submitted uh, via the interwebs. That wasn't told. My phone started buzzing and the Seahawks made a move. Uh, they have reportedly, not reportedly, I can confirm that they've agreed to terms uh, with veteran tight end Greg Olson. Uh, Adam Schefter is reporting that is a one-year deal uh, with $7 million, uh, $5.5 million guaranteed. Uh, Greg chose the uh, Seahawks over the Buffalo Bills and the Washington football team. See how I did that, Chris? Good, good. Uh, he visited all three teams and then chose Seattle, and Adam is reporting that Russell Wilson, uh, not necessarily lobbied, but the idea of playing with Russ was too strong, uh, and it warded off, or it made them, it tipped the scale in favor of the Seahawks over those other teams. I mean, makes sense. The Washington football team doesn't have a quarterback, and uh, Buffalo doesn't really either, if we want to be. Uh, quite honest, that man was lateraling backwards in the playoffs. <laughs> that was bad. Uh, Chris, I have some thoughts I've written about Greg Olson. Uh, before I wrote about it, uh, let's see, when this article came out, February 5th, shortly after the news broke that he was going to take a visit to Seattle, I ultimately concluded that I didn't think it was the greatest fit um, just because I knew it would probably be really pricey, and I really still like Will Disley, and I like Jacob Hollister, um, and I think combined, if you... Uh, if you tender Jacob Hollister with an original round tender because he's a restricted free agent and you keep Will Disley, I mean, that right there is, what, $3 million total that you're spending on those two? And then maybe I thought you add another cheap veteran or even hit the draft uh, because I just think Will Disley is a pro bowler in the waiting. Kids, what, 20-something? 20 23? Yeah, something, something really young uh, like that. So, But there is upside uh, to the deal. Before I go to that, what do you think? I like the deal. You're bringing a veteran. The only flag that I have would be red flag would be his health. He's been in and out with injuries, but maybe this full off season he's 100% and he's ready and he's playing for a team that has a opportunity to play for something bigger than just oh we just want to make the postseason and we'll see what happens next year. Would you look at the Buffalo Bills? They throw a parade if they make it to the playoffs. Ooh, Washington. shade. I mean, think about it. They were pretty excited they made the postseason, but they did. That's a good season for them. They Can can they build on it next year? That's their next step. Okay. Washington football team, they'll throw a parade if they make the postseason. With Greg Olson, he was probably thinking, you know what? The Seahawks team has a chance to win a Super Bowl. I would love to be a part of that. And there's other factors, whether he playing with Russell Wilson, kind of what Jimmy Graham did, except for Greg Olson is better at pass at run blocking, and he's going to do it. You know, he's he's been doing it with the Panthers. He's one of the best blockers there. He's right with Ed Dixon. Unfortunately, I think Ed Dixon's probably going to get the short of the stick. Yeah, that's probably, if you're, if you're curious, this means Ed's probably gone. Yeah. They saved, what, like $3 bucks cutting Ed? Yeah. And I like the deal. I mean, they're not really paying a lot of money for him, but it's it's enough to that Greg's like, you know what, I'm going to take this, and I'll do it, and let's see what happens. Well, and I think, um, you know, I still st- I'll probably stand by my conclusion from my article. It's up on The uh, Athletic. Uh, as well on my author page and just on the Seahawk page as well. But I, w- I should note that, you know, obviously you need to fill the tight end spot. We'll see. Um, 
this was it feels kind of similar to the Ziggy Ansah signing yes. uh, last year. We just take a chance, hope a guy's healthy. Because I think Greg's had his, yeah. his foot sur- uh, surgically repaired twice. That's why my um, red flag is so you health, just, man. You just, you're basically banking on that, and obviously, duh, it makes sense for Greg. I mean, this is going to be the best quarterback, he's ever, best passer he's ever played for, because I think there was a spot where Cam was better than Russ. Um, but Russ has always been the better passer. And if you're if you're on that tail end of your career, you you want everything to be favorable. You want to be playing in a good organization, and you want the quarterback to be nasty. You know, so unless the Chiefs were calling or the Ravens, basically got to sign with the Seahawks, right? Those are the best three guys uh, in the league. I will note this thing, though. Two things. One, I don't think this means they should uh, not address the tight end position in the draft. It just maybe means you can do it later. Maybe like fifth, fifth round, sixth, sixth round, mm-hmm. fourth round. You just don't need to. Before it was like almost like a ooh, we might need Third, to do a day second. a day two type of thing. <laughs> uh, but now you can you you can wait or even hit the UDFA market uh, if you would like to. Uh, as well the other thing is what Adam Schefter noted about Russell Wilson kind of the idea of playing with Russ luring someone like Greg in I honestly think that will have an impact this offseason and I know some people may be skeptical like man we've had Russ for a while that hasn't really helped Um, I think that the Seahawks are in a different position now and what they need to spend some money this offseason and I think Russ is out he's viewed in a better light like before in 2015, you weren't selling no veterans, I don't think, on like, ah, oh, man, my career with Russ. I think maybe, but there was just better guys out there, you know, Aaron Rodgers, even Matt Ryan, Cam Newton. It was just, it wasn't clear that Russ was the cream of the crop in a way that he clearly is now. Like, he was very good, duh, back then. But like, right now, this Russell Wilson, guys are looking at him, even Clowney, Dwayne Brown, uh, you know, Brandon Marshall was thinking the same thing. Don't you know, I have again. to mention because it applies. I'm just saying that. There are going to be guys, whether they're 26 years old or 34, they're going to look at like, look, man, if I want to win a championship as soon as I can, I'm maximizing my chances, I think, by signing with Russell Wilson. Because people just across the league view him that way. I think that's going to have an impact when, let's say, the Seahawks are offering maybe $10 million less than another team before you even factor in like what teams have income tax in their states and whatever, because that all matters as well. Before you even factor in stuff like that, they might just like, look, yeah, I could go play for the Colts or whatever, who also have money, or play for the Dolphins, or play for who else has money. I can't think of who else has money right now, but teams like that that have bread to spend, uh, Seattle may be offering less, or you know, but hey, they have Russ, and they could give you a better chance to win right away. So I think what Greg, the reason Greg came, reportedly, is really important to note for the rest of the year, because I think when the Seahawks go out there and try to land dudes, they're not going to be offering top dollar for everybody, but they will be offering a top-tier quarterback, and that's the biggest negotiating piece that I think they have. Well said. Thank you. I try to say everything well. I try. <laughs> it doesn't always come out uh, the right way, but, yeah. Well, breaking news, right? Right during the show. Pretty right? much. It happens, right? Uh, yes. No, it happens all the time when I'm doing something. Breaking news never happens when I'm just chilling. I'm either, like, on a date or, I, or I'm, I'm hooping or I'm something. I'm on a plane. Anyway. Whatever, life okay. of a journalist. Let's get to these. Let's get to these questions, Chris. What we got? We got quite a few. We want to thank everybody out there for asking questions. We appreciate the love and support. Let's jump right into it. Miss you guys. It is quite the popular opinion that if you win free agency, it does not translate to W's in the fall. Throwing tons of money at Clowney and other high-priced free agents might not be the Seahawks' strategy. How should they attack free agency? Keep killing it. You got to know who this one's from, though. It's from the homie Ryan Turner. What up, Ryan? What's up, man? Um, let's see. I mean, you 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 can win free agency and it translates to W's. I just think that 
winning free agency, we look at it wrong. We look at like what names did you get? And we don't look at like what type of player did you get relative to what you spent on them? Free agency is not about big names. Free agency is about your allocation of resources. Did you acquire value? Value. That means what what you spent relative to the talent you acquired. So, I mean, if you went out and spent, you know, you got Landon Collins on whatever the deal, the Washington football team, that's three times now, Chris. I'm getting good at this. Uh, if you went out and spent whatever on Landon Collins, yeah, you got a good safety, but did you get good, better value than a team like the Seahawks did in 2017 when they signed, like, Bradley McDougal, you know, or... I don't know. Like Tyron Matthew was great value for the Chiefs uh, last year. Or I mean, I think he was great value for Houston the year before that. I think he signed a one-year deal for like seven million bucks. I think those type of moves are really they are how you win. So I think it shouldn't be like oh let's just be cheap because free agency doesn't matter. No, you you try to get value with you know bang for your buck. You know, I think that's how you approach the, the O line, D line, whatever, corner safety. You just want you know look at their starting safeties right now. Bradley and Quandre. I think they're combined $11 million cap hit in 2020. You want to do that, which is why the Seahawks have been so hesitant uh, to spend big because they don't think one guy is worth the value of it, unless it's like Earl or Sherm or even Doug's deal wasn't like the craziest thing in the world at the time when he got extended. So they're going to have the same, like similar plan, I think. But I do think this year they're going to realize we do got to spend some money, but it's still all about value. If you're about getting good value and not giving Le'Veon Bell a gazillion bucks or C.J. Mosley a gazillion bucks, who else got overpaid last year? There was some bad deals uh, handed out. Uh, I don't think the Landon deal was the worst thing. Did Ha-Ha Clinton Dix get paid too? No, no, he didn't get paid. Uh, there was just some, you know. Didn't the Bears safety get paid with his name? He was playing for. Eddie Jackson? Yeah, didn't he get paid? No, he's, he's good though. Uh, but like Devontae Freeman's deal was bad. Uh Paul Richardson's deal, I guess, in hindsight, was bad that year. Jimmy Graham's deal was bad that year. It was like three years, 30. Who else had a bad deal? I'm missing one. David Johnson's extension. You know, like, those are bad values. Yeah, you're paying to keep a good player or acquire a good player, but it's about value, what you, what, how good they are relative to what they cost. Uh, we'll, and I think uh, maybe we're going to get to it later, but I think uh, a good example of that is, like, what pe- way people view Trey Flowers. Right now, I think Trey's cap hit last year was like 500K or something like that. So, yeah, he had some bad games. He had some good games, struggled in the playoffs. But that's also what you get. You also got a, a decent, you got a starting caliber number two corner for $500,000. That's just that's just what it is. So, Can't Pete Carroll and John are going to look at that and be like, yo, uh, we'll take that, guys. Because we know he's in year three is going to be better or whatever just for that price. Because it's all about, you know, bang for your buck, if that makes sense. Perfect. Next up, what is it like beefing on Twitter against fans where it looks like they're only experiencing building a roster is through Madden? I actually don't beef with the fans. I think Seattle fans, I tell people this all the time, I think Seattle fans are really smart. I think they read a lot about like cap space and they read over the cap and spot track. And I think the guys at field goals uh, and any most of the blogs uh, that aren't like regular mainstream outlets like print papers uh, that Duke Seahawks covers, they do a really good job with contract stuff, free agency stuff, explaining free agency tenders and and rules and all of that stuff. So I think Seahawks fans are actually pretty smart. I mean, they're not geniuses. Some of y'all some say some crazy stuff to me, but I don't really beef. <laughs> now, other fan bases are nuts. Philly fans, Dallas fans, Giants fans, Packers fans, absolutely insane. Niners fans, only when the Niners are good. Those are bad. But I don't beef with Seahawks fans like that. I love y'all. We family. How high of a contract is too much for Clowney? 
on average 20 mil per year. Would you guys find 23 acceptable? Predictions on what they'll do with Brit contract as well. Um, you know, I'm not really sure what they'll do with Brit. I'm not gonna lie. Actually, I mean, I I made a prediction. I think I predicted that they would not cut him. Um, just because I do think he is probably he's probably their best bet at a position that I don't think that you can just plug in a center at like a rookie because the center has to do so much stuff. His communication with Russ, like the center meets with Russ, just him and Russ or the centers do. So, I mean, it's an important spot and I don't know if you can just hand those duties to a rookie when you're trying to win right now. Yeah. If if you're like the bills or who else has a young QB, the Cardinals, uh, Whoever else has a young QB, you can maybe afford to do that, but like, you don't give Russ no rookie center right now to make all those checks at the line and everything and try to make sure he doesn't get killed. Um, now, on the Clowney side, we just talked with uh, Shill about Clowney's market. I think so. What's high? What's too much? I don't think there is too much. Like, even if he wants five years, 125, I think you could do something like that if you don't think you can get a plan B that's like Judon, say my man's name in Jacksonville again. Ngakwe. You're just so much better at saying that than me, <laughs> I swear. Uh, unless you can get him, who else would be a good plan B? Dante Fowler would be a good one. Uh, what's my man's name from Pittsburgh? Um, Bud Dupree would be another like decent plan B. Who else you got? I'm seeing his face, but the name's not coming. He played for the Rams. Quinn. He's a little bit more. He'd be like a plan B minus. I'm trying to think of like guys you would break. We're missing another guy. I just it's 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 bothering me at the moment. But yeah, guys guys like that. If those are your plan Bs, then okay. But if you don't think you can do that or they get tagged or whatever, then you gotta give Clowney whatever because your pass rush stinks. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do to keep you know to to fix it. Gotta improve it. How realistic is it that the Seahawks sign some playmakers in free agency? Or we're we going to see the same conservative approach and hope and pray Clowney trade happens. Um, well, okay. So I think they're going to get some playmakers, but I don't think it'll be, I think we assume playmakers and like only think offense when really I think they can afford what they really need is defensive playmakers just up front. I think that's really all it comes down to. I don't think any tight ends. I know they just got G Rick, excuse me, Greg. Uh, <laughs> I know they just got Greg Olson. Uh, I really think the main thing they're going to see is up front. That's where all the change has to happen. Because no one considers, like, a left guard, you know, a playmaker. I think that's where it's really going to be. I'd still like – I wrote about this. I still like them getting a, a low-cost running back, Jordan Howard. Um, shoot, bring back Mike Davis, Devontae Freeman if he gets cut, uh, David Johnson if he gets cut by Arizona. Like, yeah, I mentioned those guys were on bad deals, but you can pay them whatever you want once they get cut. Yeah, give them something, throw them a little something, and get them there as, as, as insurance. But I think it'll be uh, guys like that. I don't think, like – they're going to trade for Odell or something. As much as I'd like Shields trade with Stephen Diggs, I don't think they'll do that. Uh, so I don't expect anything too too flashy, I don't think, even though that's what that would be my hope. All right. From yours or my perspective, who's the one personality you hope the Seahawks resign for 2020? Uh, I'll probably go with Nico Thorpe. Uh, he's, he's my boy, special teams guy, easy. He always walk around the locker room going, Kaka, Kaka. It's just, just, it's, I guess that's an Auburn thing. I don't know. Uh, Auburn Tigers, that is. Not like the city of Auburn in Washington. So, yeah, bring back Nico, man. We need his good vibes and his, uh, his ping pong playing skills. All right. Why does everyone want Darius Slay when it has been proven that the kick step technique is easily picked up and takes some time to learn properly? Isn't easy, excuse me. 
It is unlikely that he would continue to play at the level in our system, in the Seahawks system. Not to mention, what do you do with Flowers? Well, if you trade for Darius, you probably should just give him Trey. Um, you don't really need Trey anymore if you do that. Uh, I don't think. So here's the thing about the veterans who have come in here and stunk and haven't been able to pick up the kick step thing. I don't think it has much to do with the technique. Although I know that's an issue. I don't. I think really the guys they brought in just ain't that good. You know, like you think if they brought in. Marcus Peters, he wouldn't be able to figure out the kick snip and be fine. You think if they brought in, <clears throat> excuse me, Akeem Talib or Chris Harris from the Broncos, like these are good players. If you bring in good players, it'd be fine. You brought in Kerry Williams, man, he stunk. <laughs> it's not just that he couldn't get the kick step, he couldn't get a job. He's not in the league no more. I don't think he was in the league ever again after that. So I, I think that's more of an issue than anything. If they were to bring in an elite guy like that, like Slay, then yeah, I think it would work. And also, I mean, shoot, if he can't get the technique, forget it. Whatever technique he know already is good. <laughs> yeah, just don't let nobody catch passes. That's for all real, that matters. For real, man. And, yeah, so I think you throw in you throw in Trey probably because, you know, you don't really need him anymore at that point. Uh, and you're bruising his ego. If you keep him around and just make him a backup after two years of a starter, you probably lost him mentally. I mean, I wouldn't blame him. What is one free agent you don't want to see in Seattle and why? Hey, Steve Collins. I like this guy. He's been here for a while. Long time I listener. Like um, let's see. I would probably say one of those tight ends that would be too expensive. Hunter Henry. Who's the other one? There's another one. Austin Hooper. I would probably say those two. I mean, they're not going to do that now that they got Greg Olson, but I would have wanted to stay away from guys like that. Because I think Disley and Hollister paired with another guy around the budget is fine. But if you got to spend like mm, eight figures for Austin Hooper or eight figures for uh, Hunter Henry when you got Will Disley for 600000 no. I don't, even with with Will's injury history, I still think you got to be more cost effective with that position, a position you really need to block more than you need it to do anything else. So I would have wanted them to stay away from those two, and I think they will now. Who makes the biggest jump in year two when it comes to the rookies? Ugo, Marquise Blair, what you got, Mike? You know, I'm actually going to go away from those two guys. I'm going to pick LJ Collier, mostly because a big jump from him would be just being on the field, A, uh, B, it would be just getting to the ball. Like, let's say LZ had three sacks next year. That's not an outstanding year. It's an okay year. Granted, that's as many sacks as Clowney had in 2019. But let's say LZ had three. You know, uh, that would be a big jump, no? It would be. That would be a huge jump. Me. And I think that's a lot more realistic than the jumps from some of the other guys. Like, what would a big jump from DK realistically look like? 1,200 yards or something? I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe a few more touchdowns. I don't think Cody or Ben really see the field. Yeah, a few more touchdowns from DK. Uh, I still don't think Marquise sees the field. Uh, Ugo, perhaps, would be the starting nickel, but not 100% sure on that. Who else? John or Sua? Uh, mm, John probably be like the number five receiver. I mean, if they attack the receiver in the draft, he's going to have to fight for his job again. again I yeah. think he makes it, but still. Uh, Travis Homer, perhaps. But how many more touches is he going to get than last year if they bring in a guy and have Christian Rashad again? So, uh, yeah, I actually think LJ has the biggest – he has the most room to grow because he started – He has such. A, he's at such a floor right now. Um, and I think he'll have opportunity as well. All right. The Hawks offensive line ranked 27th last season, and you'll potty – will become an impending free agent. Does Schneider and Carroll address the left guard position in free agency as a second-wave vet or just have Jamarco Jones and Haynes battle for this position? So I'm going to plug one of my older articles. Uh, I actually wrote about like a 10-step offseason plan for the Seahawks, and in it, 
I initially wrote, yeah, man, hit the hit the left guard market. And then I looked at the left guard market, and I was like, huh, Phil Haynes will work. <laughs> <laughs> no, for, real, in. for real, I was just like, you know, because you're going to end up, like, overpaying for someone, you know, because they're not going to get the dude from Washington. Uh, Brandon Scherf, I think that's how you say the last name. Sheriff, I don't know. Anyway, Washington's not going to let him go. Um, you could get Graham Glasgow from um, Detroit, but that – I don't know how much that's going to cost, but I, I would like it depending on the cost. Um, with Joe Dooney, the dude from New England, probably be too expensive for an interior lineman position like that. So I would say instead of like getting those dudes, like are those dudes $8 million or $9 million or $10 million better than Jamarco or Phil Haynes? Again, it's the value thing. Are they? Probably not. Um, and you owe it to yourself, though, to see if Jamarco or Phil or even Ethan Postit could do it. Because if you then you're getting a starting left guard for like eight hundred thousand or whatever these guys are are making, it's all about that value. Because then you could pour it into your defense. Your defense needs to be elite. It's not. It's very very not elite at the moment. Perfect. We are not discussing the draft yet, but we can name one or two receivers and free agency that the Seahawks should take a look at. What do you think, Mike? Um, well, I will since we're, we won't go full into the draft, but I will say that Dane Brugler, our athletic guy, has. Um, I think he has his top 10 receivers, like his pre-combine rankings uh, of, of, of the draft class. Number 8 and number 10 on there I do like for the Seahawks. But, I mean, all of Dane's, like, stuff on the receivers has been really great. Actually, the whole draft class. But if you go on the athletic, Dane Brugler's uh, receiver rankings, I think number 8 and number 10 are two good dudes. But if we're talking strictly free agents, I'll say who you got, Chris. I say Devin Funches. I like your – their thought on Randall Cobb for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Cobb would be cheap, and he's a solid receiver. Yeah, he's been doing that for a long time. Yeah, what, eight hundred yards last year or something, making Man. five million bucks. That's value. Yes, because Cobb is good. I think Funches too. Funches got ten million dollars from the uh, Colts last year, and they got hurt. He ain't getting that again. No, he's like a guy who should be like, all right, here's five million bucks. Come play. Catch like thirty something balls for like six hundred yards, something like that. Uh, so yeah, I like those two. Are we missing anybody? What about Nelson Aguilar, how you feel about that? No, mm, I think we have that covered. Ever since the, have that covered. The one dude, remember he dissed him when he uh, caught the kids out the burning building. Yeah, yeah. Seattle would do something like that, huh? Well, P. Rich, how you feel about P. Rich? He just got cut by the Washington football team. That's you know, four. You know where they cut him? He couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, everyone's not injury prone forever. You know. Are these guys willing to take that risk? You could for the low. How low is he willing to go? I'll play for you guys. Yeah, he's already no rest. Tyler's his best friend. He's familiar with the we team get, and the organization. We'll agree on P. Rich collectively. How for the low. Sound? I mean, one of these guys will be for the low. Anything more than $6 million for any of the dudes we just named is ridiculous. For real. Anything, I, I, w- I would go five and under for all of these guys. That's fair. And I would do that. And then you don't guarantee a bunch. Because Cobb's about like 30. Funch is coming off a season and an injury. P. Rich coming off two straight years of IR. So, yeah. Yeah. You don't guarantee a bunch. You get it for the low. I like it. Thoughts on these four moves. Although, Mike, you did mention two of them. So we'll go with Conklin and drafting a center. Okay. So for the for the record, the other moves that were asked about this, you should re- can you read the Twitter name of this one? Oh, <laughs> Boom Shakalaka at Boom Shakalaka. That's a long number. <laughs> no, I just wanted you to read the Boom Shakalaka <laughs> okay. part. Uh, yeah, he uh, he or she, I guess, wants to know about signing Jack Conklin, Brandon Sheriff, drafting a center, or Austin Hooper. And you're right. I basically said don't do any of this. <laughs> 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 for real. So don't do any Too of this. Expensive. Yeah. No. Well, the center thing is not expensive. It's just, it's the inexperience. Oh, I'm I was talking about Hooper and yeah. Sheriff. Yeah. Sheriff. Don't do, oh, well, man. if you could get the Sheriff dude, 
someone tell us how to say this dude's name. But if you could get <laughs> if you could get him, yeah. But I really the people I've talked to in Washington don't think that they'll let him go. They think Rivera is gonna spend the bread to keep him around. Wise move by him. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. If you can get Jack Conklin. The problem is, I think that'll be. If I was him, I want like eighteen million bucks yeah, or something, maybe like fifteen. I mean, more than I think the Seahawks are willing to go. I think Balaga, like we talked about with Shield, would be a better move. All right, last one. Would the Seahawks be looking at free agents such as Dante Fowler and Danny Shelton if they miss on Clowney? And what about a running back like Melvin Gordon? You kind of touched on the running back, so go ahead and swing back around to that. I don't think Melvin. No, I think he's going to want too much. I yeah, I think he's going to want too much. Unless you can get him to take one of them discounts to be like, oh, I'll play with Russ. But he's young and wants the bread. And good for Melvin. All these guys. I'm going to make that very clear. All these guys who want the bread, get the bag. It's not my money. They should give it to you. But if I'm putting them on my GM hat and trying to construct a team, then, yes, I need to be a little bit more you know, frugal with the bread here. Um, see, I like Fowler. That might be too expensive, though. He's been balling. He might be like, look, I want four years 90 million dollars it's 95 and someone's gonna be like sure sign right up yeah no, a team <laughs> like the giants or the jets or the, maybe the colts have a bunch of money i can't i can't remember the teams that have money i but think yeah. the Bengals do though Bengals got some money no one wants joe burrow don't even want to play there <laughs> he's from ohio uh <laughs> danny shelton yeah i think depending on the costs and all these guys i don't think anyone should pay for a nose tackle i really don't i think they probably let jay reed walk uh I mean, don't get Sue. Add him to the list of the other dudes I don't think they should get. <laughs> that dude, man, he's stepping on people and stuff. Uh, yeah, man, actually, maybe you should sign Sue. That way he don't step on Russ. <laughs> That's a good way yeah, of looking you at know, things. Yeah, but, Could you imagine you him and Fluger in practice going at it? Yeah, I can. I've seen a fight before. Uh, that'd, be, that'd be a big fight. Uh, yeah, the pounds like thrown around there. Danny, who's <laughs> the other defensive tackle I wrote about? Michael Brockers. Michael. Um, yeah, there's, I, I, think, I don't think you spend big. I mean, you could bring back Al Woods. To be quite honest with you, if you rolled out Al Woods, Puna, a draft pick, um, and maybe another dude like like a Danny or Michael Michael Brockers, yeah, not bad. I'm with that. Cool. With the last one, that was it. We want to thank everybody for Twitter questions. We appreciate it. We know it's been a long time, but you know we're back. Yeah, that's why we extended the episode a little longer. Excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. Uh, cause we're scaling back. Uh, what are we gonna probably only a few episodes. Uh, a month during the off season, unless we get something dope, especially guests like we have with KJ or someone really smart like Shield. Um, so that's why we got the longer episode. Hope you guys appreciate it. Uh, thank you for sending in the questions. We really love it. Hopefully the Seahawks don't break no more damn news when we recording. <laughs> but uh, other than that, uh, I think we're good. Yeah, we good, man. We'll talk to y'all later. We're out. Tripping when you come around I'm gonna have to cut you out